Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, you are in the process of building a new, your own church building. As you prepared and designed such a building, I assume or trust that you asked yourselves the question, what do we do there? Why do we have a church building? Then the Bible is where we're going to receive answers to an important question such as that. What do we do there? And then Psalm 100, which we sang at the beginning of our worship service, might speak to that. We sang those words, which are a psalm of thanksgiving, but they speak to what we do here on Sundays. Now, granted, St. Albert is not Jerusalem, even if you try to sell it that way. The building is not going to be a temple, even if it is going to be a beautiful building by the look of things so far. Psalm 100 in verse 2 has these words, Serve the Lord with gladness, come into His presence with singing. That's a fitting passage to have in mind as you think about what you do in church, as you come every Sunday for worship. After all, that's what we're gathered here together for, to serve the Lord. We talk about a worship service. This is part of our service. That's why it's a sad shame when you hear people say sometimes after a worship service, I didn't get anything out of that. Because that speaks to their frame of mind when they came in. They're looking more to get than to give. It's more blessed to give than to receive, Paul reports Jesus as saying. And we gather here also to give as much as to receive. Then how can anyone say upon leaving a worship service, I didn't get anything out of that? Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Yes, that's the wonder of what you get to enjoy here every Sunday as you gather for corporate worship. You come into the presence of God in a special way. Here He is with us, a covenant God together with His covenant people. There may be no cloud of His presence, no display of His glory here, but He's here. Though heaven and earth cannot contain him, Solomon says, he comes to meet with his people in the power of his Holy Spirit, also in our corporate worship. We may then expect to hear him speak to us. He's called us here, and he will address us. Then what's not to sing about? It's good to have that in mind as you come to worship every Sunday. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. But that's how you enter this building for worship. How do you then leave? As I was browsing the building project pictures on Church Social, as I was privileged to have a sneak peek on all the work that's done there, I saw one of the recent pictures of the inside of the foyer looking out towards the exit doors. And the caption to the picture was, you are entering the mission field. It's true. 
But that can come with the side effect of leaving some people questioning. What about the young stay-at-home mother? She might ask, I'm so busy with my kids at home. It just fills my days. How am I supposed to do mission? And they may live with a guilty conscience because that's what we have in mind usually when we think of mission. It's outreach. But her mission is raising those covenant children of God. And what a beautiful mission that is. So what about if we had something a little broader in mind that would incorporate everything we do as we leave the building? How do you leave the place of the presence of God to enter his world again on a Sunday morning or afternoon? There are many things that may live in your heart and mind after you leave this place. It might depend on the sermon that you've just heard. And yet perhaps there's a way that we can capture that all in a summary. And that's what I would suggest the aim of the text this morning is. In the word preached, I will unpack that text for you. But then the Lord willing, it will also linger with you. Then each week as you leave this place or the new building, the Lord willing, when the time comes, you do that with this truth on your heart and mind, the words of our text. So the summary for the sermon of this morning is simply the heart of the text. And we're going to ask two questions. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. And so we ask, what is it to receive Him? And what is it to walk in Him? As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. What is it to receive Him? Moments ago, I quoted those words of Acts 20, verse 35. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And yet here in our text, Paul writes very positively about receiving something or someone. And in this case, this receiving is more blessed than any giving that we could do. Because it's a different kind of receiving than we usually think of. We're into that time of year when we have a lot of giving and receiving on the mind. This past week, we flipped our calendars from November to December. The stores, I'm sure in Alberta, I haven't been in the stores yet, but I'm sure they're like Ontario, and they have been festooned with Christmas paraphernalia for a while now. The annual Canadian Tire Wishlist catalog comes in the mail, and the kids browse through it. Black Friday last weekend added to the fever, and why not add to it Red Thursday and Cyber Monday just to get a little bit more mileage out of it all, this giving and receiving. Everyone almost expects to be receiving some gifts at the end of this month. Then, of course, we remind ourselves that there is a far greater gift to be celebrating in December. God's gift of His only begotten Son, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. In Him we've received evidence of God's abundant grace. We've received the Savior, Jesus. We might say, to use the words of our text, we have received Christ Jesus the Lord. But there's actually far more to this receiving, as Paul uses the word, than that. When we receive Christmas gifts, for better or worse, 
we usually think along more passive lines. Someone gives and we receive, whether you like it or not. Although nowadays every store asks if you want a gift receipt. That way if someone doesn't really like what you give them, they can just return it and get something else. Kind of caters to our selfishness. Thanks, but I'd rather something else. Or maybe thinking more positively, I shouldn't be such a cynic. It's in case you have it already and you can exchange it for something else. But whatever it is, the reason, the presence of a gift receipt might actually help us get at this word receiving, as Paul means in our text. See, when you get a gift receipt with the gift, you have an option. You can either keep the present, or you can return it for something else. If you decide to dispose of the gift receipt with the wrapping paper, you've not only received the gift, but you've also accepted it. You've taken it as your own. What you have received passively, we could say, you also accept actively. You take ownership of it. It's now mine. And that's what Paul is saying here in Colossians 2 verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. He's not talking about passively receiving Him. He's not only talking about how God gave His Son as a gracious gift to us for the washing away of our sins. No, He's talking about accepting Jesus by faith. Receiving Him, taking hold of Him, clinging to Him. He's commending the Colossian Christians for taking to heart the gospel message they've heard. They didn't only receive Christ Jesus in the preaching, they received Him in faith. They acted on and worked with the good news. They submitted to it. Because they were clinging to Him in faith, Christ Jesus the Lord. There's emphasis there in our text on His Lordship. Receiving Christ Jesus the Lord is receiving Him as Lord. It's acknowledging Jesus' ownership on your life. You see, Paul has just finished writing about the supremacy of Christ in chapter 1. He says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, etc. And Paul has written about his own privilege in proclaiming this Christ. The very gospel that Epaphras had already preached to them. Him we proclaim, he says. And then he rejoices to see their good order and their firmness in their faith in Christ. Verse 5. And it's then he says, therefore as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. When we read the word therefore, you have to ask yourself, what is it therefore? And in this case, he's pointing back to all that he's just written, as I've just highlighted. You've heard the gospel of the Supreme Son, Christ Jesus the Lord, and you've by faith received Him as your Lord. 
You come to know the claim that Jesus has on your life, having purchased you with his precious blood to make you his possession, and you've submitted to that claim. There's nothing passive about that receiving. Paul writes about it elsewhere as pressing on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Philippians 3 verse 2. You make that your own. You receive Christ Jesus the Lord. When we make a public profession of our faith, we sometimes say we are responding to our baptism. At baptism, God has laid his claim of ownership on us. He's placed a covenant sign and seal on us. He's come to us with all the rich promises of the gospel, we and our children. Then we are obliged, we have in our form for baptism, we are obliged to cling to this one God, to love him with our whole heart, soul and mind and with all our strength. So at profession of faith, we ask the question, do you acknowledge your covenant promises? That is, do you know those promises and take them to heart as promises that apply to you? And do you act on the knowledge of those promises? That's how we can explain that word acknowledge. Do you act on the knowledge of those promises? There's nothing passive about that. We receive Christ Jesus the Lord to come back to that. Do you have a handle on that now, brothers and sisters? That is a fitting thought to walk out of the building with, isn't it? We don't come to church to passively receive Christ. Just the fact that you have walked in and sat down in the pew here to sit under the preaching isn't the whole story, is it? Because then the one who sleeps in church has received just as much as the one who has stayed wide awake to listen. No, receiving the gospel in that way is hard work too. Listening is hard work. But to receive Christ Jesus the Lord as our text speaks of it will require that we listen to the word and take the word to heart. After all, in the gospel we hear we may receive Christ Jesus the Lord. The apostle is confronting all kinds of false teachings in Colossae. It's a mixture of different things. We read some of that in chapter 1 and 2. And yet, it's not entirely clear what he's dealing with. Much ink has been spilled in books and articles and all kinds of writings to try to figure out what exactly Paul is dealing with in Colossae. But evidently, that's not as important What's important is that in the middle of dealing with all this false teaching, Paul doesn't spend all his time expounding on the false teaching and confronting that teaching. He preaches Christ Jesus the Lord. Always the focus in his preaching, he tells the Corinthians too, is Christ and Him crucified. So it is here. 
We have to be aware of false teachings and deceptive worldviews. But we don't spend all our time on Sundays listening to sermons or addresses exposing all of that. No, we come back again and again to the supremacy of Christ. The work of Christ. His birth, suffering, death, resurrection, ascension, and session at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Whether we hear a sermon in the Old Testament or the New Testament... Or we hear the word preached in light of the catechism. Always we want to hear Christ. We want to see Jesus. How do you leave church then afterwards? You think of this text. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord. We've heard him preached. We've been reminded of his claim of ownership on us. His covenant people in his shed blood. And we will have to ask ourselves, have I received Christ Jesus the Lord? Yes, I've heard him proclaimed. Have I received him? Do I cling to him as the only source of my safety and salvation? Do I recognize that He is Lord of my life? That I am His possession? That I must submit to Him in all things? Well, that will require daily repentance and change. Repent and believe was the message of the prophets and the apostles and Christ Himself. How good it is that every week we can gather together, hear the gospel of the forgiveness of our sins in Christ, of His Lordship over our life. Then we may more and more put to death our old man. We leave behind that life of sin and we cling to Christ Jesus as the only source of hope. When we hear those words, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, we can think of our covenant obligations. We get to hear the promises proclaimed. The obligations are laid on us. Then we walk out those doors and we want to say, yes, I've received Christ Jesus the Lord. I want to cling to this one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I trust Him. Love Him with my whole heart, soul, and mind, and with all my strength. That's something that will only come to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. He imparts to us what we have in Christ. The form for baptism also summarizes. Faith comes from the Holy Spirit who works it in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel. Lord's Day 25. That's why we always pray before the sermon, for illumination, for the enlightening work of the Spirit that He would open our ears and open our hearts to understand. That we not only receive the Word preached, but that we receive the Word preached. That we receive Christ Jesus the Lord. That by the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, the Word that we hear with our ears will be taken hold of by our hearts then we can receive Him. 
Christ Jesus the Lord. And as we've received him, then we might also walk in him. That's what we hear in the second point. When we ask, what is it to walk in him? That's the second half of this text. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Granted, this is an unfinished sentence. Verse 6 ended with a comma, not a period. But verse 7 basically consists of four participles. They're called that all fill out this word, walk. Walk in him. Being rooted, being built up, being established, abounding. The command is walk. A command in the present tense that has an ongoing feel to it. Keep walking in Him. But the emphasis is on the words, in Him. Actually, it says, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, in Him, keep walking. We call that a bit of a chiasm. Like there's a crisscross happening that centers something out in the text. The two verbs, receiving and walking, are on the outside. And at the center is Christ Jesus the Lord in Him. Because Christ Jesus the Lord is central to everything, isn't He? That's why Paul has already elevated Him in this letter in almost every way possible. Whatever the false teachers had been promoting, whether it was the need to uphold certain laws or to move on from elementary teachings to higher ones, Christ was being diminished. But Christ is all and in all, Paul says. We ought to live Christ-centered lives. We are commanded to keep walking in Him. In Him. That's an expression of unity with Christ. John Calvin calls it a mystical union. He means by that that we we can't fully comprehend how that is. When we believe in Christ Jesus the Lord, when we receive Him in faith, we are joined to Him, become one with Him. He, the head, the church, his body, and individually members of it. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Lord's Day 29 expressed it even as being bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh. It's the unity we enjoy with Christ at his table, as you celebrated last week. We walk in him. As Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We read more of that in our scripture reading. You have been filled in him, he says. In him also you were circumcised, having been buried with him, made alive together with him. If with Christ you died... In some incomprehensible way, we are joined to Christ by faith. And when we are Christ's, when He is in us and we are in Him, then we will walk in Him. That means that our relationship with Him by faith 
It informs everything that we do. We let Christ and no other because He is Lord. We let Christ establish our values. We let Christ guide our thinking. We let Christ direct our conduct. To walk in Him means that in our thinking and in our acting, we live under the Lordship of Christ. In verse 8, Paul moves on to give a warning. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. There are all kinds of false teachings, strange philosophies, different worldviews out there. They've confronted the Colossians. They're confronting us. And it's subtle. It's not for nothing he writes about empty deceit. It's the way of the devil. His deceitful scheming. We don't always even realize how subtle his approaches are. When we're not vigilant, it's not just the philosophies and worldviews. He also warns against forms of legalism. Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink and with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Let no one disqualify you, he says, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, etc. Why submit to the regulations, he says? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. They were dealing with legalism. This is subtle danger, too. I was reading an article recently about why people leave the church. Here's a telling statement. I quote, Many have left the church because they have enough people telling them about what to do and have never heard anyone tell them it has been done. But there's more and more of that kind of preaching out there. It's seven ways to do this and ten tips to do that and twelve steps to hear. Or it's simply an empowering of yourself. Life is about following your dreams or following your heart. But receiving Christ... Christ Jesus the Lord is the only one who takes ownership of your life and in whom you walk. Because he is the one who has done. It has been done. It's all accomplished. So we walk in him. When we listen to the commands of scripture as we do again this afternoon, we don't do that to obey just because. We do that in Christ. Here is the way of walking in Christ. Walk in thankfulness for Christ. That's the commandments. Because he has already kept it all perfectly. Then we don't despair when we can't walk that way on our own. We take comfort in walking in him. Because while philosophies and legalism and different worldviews, they all change over time. Christ remains the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. No wonder then the way that our text, verse 6, is filled out in verse 7. Walk in Him, Paul says. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. He piles up the images of how firmly we are rooted in Christ. Rooted. Built up established. When we are in Christ, we have a rock-solid and firm foundation. We have a source of strength 
and nourishment as feed, as roots that feed the plant. And we will overflow with thanksgiving. In other words, being rooted, built up, established in Christ will mean in part that we begin to keep the Ten Commandments. Lord's Day 44. And we will pray. We will pray earnestly, constantly. That will be the way of thankfulness. And isn't that the way that you will leave this building this morning too? With hearts filled with thankfulness, rooted as we are in Christ. Rooted through the powerful work of God. Yes, we call these divine passives in verse 7. Divine for God. It doesn't say rooting yourselves or building yourselves up. It says rooted, built up. Because God does that. Here, through what we've been taught this morning. And when we go out from here, we walk in Him full of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving as an expression of Praise to God for one, Lord's Day 32. Praise to God. And not only that, also an assurance of our faith. We become sure of our faith by its fruits as we walk in Him. When you walk in Him, having left this building, you will grow in your certainty of faith. And by your godly walk of life. You may win your neighbor for Christ. A godly walk that includes talk, doesn't it? When we are filled with Christ, we are abounding in thanksgiving. What fills us overflows from us is the picture. And what fills our hearts is Christ. Christ Jesus as Lord. Then he will also come out of our mouths. We'll speak of Him even as we reflect Him, won't we? Whether you leave this place to return to your task for the week at home, at school, at the job site, in the truck, in the office, in your political involvements, in your community activities, wherever and whatever. Walk in Christ. That's your mission. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. There are only two ways to live. Two paths to walk. That's how the Apostle presents things in his letters often. There's the former way of life. Following the course of the world, Ephesians 2 verse 2. Following the way of the flesh, Romans 8 verse 4. Or it's the new walk in Christ, according to the Spirit, Romans 8 verse 4 as well. Walking in love. It's the path of light in Christ or the path of darkness away from Christ. Let that be the way you depart from this place every week again. We have set before us the only way of life to walk in Christ. When we cling to Jesus Christ as our Lord, then He will be central in all that we say and think and do. Being in Him, joined to Him by faith, it will inform our decisions. 
direct our thinking, shape our actions. Today, we've come into God's presence in worship to serve Him. Have you done that with gladness? Is that gladness not awakened by being reminded of all that we have in Christ, in the gospel of life, in His death, of the forgiveness of sins, in His blood? Then we come into His presence with singing. Shortly, you will leave this place. As you go, reflect on these words. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Have you received Christ Jesus the Lord? Do you realize and appreciate His claim of ownership on your life? Do you grab hold of Him in faith? Do you realize and know that the covenant obligation is to cleave to Him, to love Him with your whole heart, soul, and mind, and with all your strength? Then upon leaving these doors, as you have received Him, so walk in Him, in the gracious working of the Spirit, Walk in Him in the way of life. Amen.